0: Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Friday, October 22nd, and this is your FT News Briefing. The U.S. Federal Reserve is banning top officials from making individual financial trades. Former U.S. President Donald Trump plans to capitalize on his massive following with a new social media company that's just merged with a SPAC. And while central banks around the world are raising interest rates, Turkey's central bank just slashed its...
1: President Erdogan, he's no fan of, of high interest rates. He's described high interest rates as the mother and father of all evil.
0: That is, of course, our markets editor, Katie Martin. If a great chat lined up with her, she'll untangle what's going on in Turkey and this week's crazy story involving the cryptocurrency company Tether. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. A few weeks ago, two top Fed officials resigned after it came out that they had made questionable financial trades. The trades took place last year, just as the U.S. Central Bank was ushering in pandemic monetary policies that would turbocharge markets and asset prices. Now, at the time, there was nothing in the Fed's rulebook preventing these officials from making these trades. But yesterday, the Fed changed all that. It banned its policymakers and senior staff from buying individual shares and a number of other investments. The FT's Washington bureau chief, James Politi, explains why it moved so quickly. Some of
2: the criticisms of these uh, financial trades really kind of attack kind of the heart of the Fed's credibility as it sets policy. If there's any sort of whiff of conflicts of interests or officials trading based on what they know or based on where they expect the markets to go, then it's certainly very damaging. I think the other reason it was important for the Fed to act quickly is because the White House um, is in the midst of deciding the fate of sort of the future leadership of the U.S. Central Bank. Jay Powell's term as Fed chair expires in early February um, and on Capitol Hill Uh, The revelations about these financial trades have certainly led to increased criticism and scrutiny of Powell and the rest of the Fed. So I think it was important for him to
0: tackle this sort of very quickly. James Politi is the FT's Washington bureau chief. This week, Donald Trump announced he's launching his own online media platform. It'll compete with Twitter and Facebook, both of which ban the former U.S. president from their platforms. Trump will theoretically be able to tweet from his own social media site, which he promises will have non-woke content. Now, the company behind Trump's new site is called Trump Media and Technology Group. The former president's company is set to secure a public market listing after merging with something called a Special Purpose Acquisition Vehicle, or SPAC. It's an investment vehicle that allows new companies to list without the rigor of a conventional listing. To talk more about this, I'm joined by our U.S. Lex editor, Sujit Indap. Hey, Sujit. Hi, Mark. Good to be here. So first of all, why is Trump taking this company public, and and why via SPAC?
3: Yeah, this is a chance for for Trump to both monetize his incredible uh, following and at the same time raise fresh capital for this new media venture, which he wants to launch. Uh, He was, of course, banned from Twitter. Part of this venture, TMTG, will be a social network where uh, apparently he will be able to tweet. Uh, And so uh, the SPAC market, uh, there's been kind of a revolution there. The SPAC itself raises capital from investors and then private companies are able to both go public, uh, but also Uh, get access to that cash. And both of those things could be attractive to someone starting a a new venture. And in this case, it's uh, the former president uh, launching a media company. Now, Suji, what do you make of Trump's going public via SPAC right now? Yeah, so there's been this wave of SPAC deals, companies, uh, dozens, uh, probably hundreds now that have gone public via SPAC in the last year. That was a hot market for several months. It's cooled off substantially uh, in recent months. Uh, And the reason is uh, oftentimes these companies are very immature, their forecasts are very uh, uncertain, and there's been a real kind of pullback and risk. And so, this deal has many of the the hallmarks uh, of transactions where there is a real concern about the viability of the company. Uh, again, there are no forecasts. There's no real business plan. Trump, is, uh, if this deal closes, uh, he'll have access to uh, hundreds of millions of dollars in cash. This is the type of business that wouldn't probably go, be able to go public uh, in a traditional way. And so whether this transaction gets done, uh, whether uh, investor protections are actually realized and uh, investors in SPACs have a chance to evaluate a deal or if they don't like it, they can get their money back. And so if there are mass redemptions, as they're called, people calling back their money, that will cast doubt both on uh, Trump, but also this particular SPAC uh, or blank check vehicle that raised all this money with the hopes of, of doing a, a legitimate transaction.
0: Sujit Indap is the FT's U.S. Lex editor. By the way, the name of the SPAC that Trump's media company merged with to access public markets is called Digital World Acquisition Corporation. At the close of trading yesterday, its shares were up more than 350%. That means the hedge funds that invested in Digital World Acquisition last month could enjoy millions of dollars in gains. Turkey's currency, the lira, tumbled yesterday after the country's central bank slashed interest rates by a whopping two percentage points. This comes as other central banks are raising interest rates to grapple with post-pandemic inflation. Turkey also has inflation, quite a bit of it, and it's now hovering around 20%. To figure out what's going on, I'm joined by our markets editor, Katie Martin. Hey, Katie.
1: Hey, hi, Ding.
0: I'm doing good. So we've reported on Turkey's central bank doing things that don't make sense to mainstream economists, but Turkey's President Recep Tayyip Erdogan he has a he, he has a thing against high interest rates, right?
1: <laughs> so the, the the situation with the Turkish Central Bank really has been bubbling up for ages, for years. So President Erdogan he blames high inflation on mysterious lobbies and thinks that higher interest rates actually cause higher inflation which is out of step with the rest of the modern world basically. He's described high interest rates as the mother and father of all evil. He's fired several central bank governors over the past few years and just the other day he fired another three members of the central bank rate setting committee. So you know, it has been called the Central Bank of Erdogan rather than the Central Bank of Turkey.
0: And that can't possibly be making the place very attractive to foreign investors who the country needs.
1: A lot of foreign money has already left the country, frankly. A lot of big foreign investors have already said, okay. I'm out. I don't understand what's going on with interest rates and I don't particularly like the politics. So what this means is that it's actually ordinary Turkish people, you know, the cost of of imports of all sorts of things, including fuel, but also just everyday goods. That's jacking up. It's jacking up the debt servicing costs for companies It's really a cost of living issue for ordinary people in Turkey, and it's quite sad to see. But yet, it's just really hard at this point to see what can turn it around, because we've had quite a few of these interest rate cuts, and we've thought, okay, maybe the central bank is kind of, in some way, humoring the president. Now it just feels like it's game over, and and President Erdogan is absolutely in control.
0: Kitty, you want to switch gears to a totally different topic, cryptocurrency, There was a really crazy story this week involving the company Tether, which operates a kind of cryptocurrency called Stablecoin. Uh, Katie, I'm going to hand the story off to you to explain because there was just a lot going on here.
1: (laughs) Oh, there is never a dull moment with the Tether story. so I mean to start with the basics, right? This is stable coins of which Tether is the biggest. They're like kind of dollars that live online. If you want to jump in and out of crypto coins like Bitcoin or Dogecoin or whatever it is, the easiest way to do that is not with, you know, normal dollars, fiat currency as people call it, but with stable coins. Um Tether's the biggest by by a long way. There's about 70 billion of these things kicking around. And in theory, they're backed one-to-one with Dollars. But when you actually ask to see what's in those reserves that back these stable coins, you don't get a huge amount of information. And regulators have been kind of nibbling away at this for a while, trying to get more information about its reserves, trying to figure out whether these reserves are big enough to be a financial stability issue in and of themselves. And then enter stage left. Hindenburg Research, which is a short seller and a hunter of bad behavior of all kinds across the corporate and financial world.
0: And this is a big research fund. Hindenburg took down Nikola Nikola, and Lordstown Motors. You know, they're they're in the big leagues here.
1: This is one of the short sellers that people really sit up and pay attention to when they come out with an opinion on on a particular company. Now, in this instance, they're not so much offering an opinion, but what they are offering is a million-dollar bounty for information on Tether and its reserves that anybody can claim. Tether didn't take this terribly well. It says it's a pathetic bid for attention and uh, says that uh, Tether is a trailblazer, a special breed in business. But Hindenburg is serious, says that the market deserves more clarity around what Tether is up to. So this is... um, opened up a whole new front in the tether story that's just fascinating to see basically i'll be uh, yeah stay tuned
0: katie martin is the ft's markets editor thank you katie no you're welcome you can read more on all of these stories at ft.com this has been your daily ft news briefing make sure you check back next week for the latest business news the FT News Briefing is produced by Fiona Simon and me, Mark Filipino. Our editor is Jess Smith. We had help this week from Peter Barber, Gavin Coleman, and Michael Bruning. Our theme song is by Metaphor Music.
3: Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant.